Hi, welcome to Gender Nebulous number 37 uh, with me, uh, Frida Wallace and Victoria Hodges. And we have a special guest this week, Lily Rose Hunt. And hi, Lily, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? We're all right, thank you. I've been, I've been trying to get you on the podcast for a couple of weeks and I know it's been like really busy, so it's good to finally get around to it. Um, first of all, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, you're based in Liverpool, but judging by your accent, you're not from Liverpool, are you? No, I'm from Warwickshire. I was saying, I was saying to Vicky before, you've got to hear Lily's voice. She's got, she's got the the, the nicest, uh, cutest voice you'll ever hear. So where are you, where are you from, Lily? I'm from Stratford on Avon in Warwickshire. Stratford, okay, right. Yeah. So you're a student in Liverpool, aren't you? Yes, I'm a second year sociology student at LJMU and I'm involved in other projects around the city as well. Yeah, so so can I ask you a couple about, about those other, I know you've told me about them, but just for the podcast and people listening, um, tell, tell us a little bit about the projects you're involved in. Yeah, so I'm the chair of Spirit Level Transgender Support Group, which is the most established transgender society in Merseyside. We've been going since the early 2000s, and we have a regular turnout of members of around 10 to 20 people. And we regularly have guest speakers in. I've opened the group with a lot more different guest speakers. So, for example, we've had Merseyside Police come in, we've had LCR Pride. We've had Access Sexual Health, the museums came into the workshop with us, we've had Dr Adrian Harrop come in, we've had Health Watch, we've had all sorts of different organisations come into the group just to help to champion our causes. So I think that the support group that I run, Spirit Level, is very important because we meet up every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at the new university building by Lime Street Station and it's great for us to have that kind of structure so that we can meet up and and be with one another and have that excuse to kind of get dressed up yeah, as identities and socialise with like-minded people. And then we usually go out for a drink afterwards as well, which is even better. Well, I usually go out for a night out. <laughs> yeah, I'd know. Hey, any excuse? Any excuse? There's a lot of lovely pictures of Lily on Instagram at the various Liverpool establishments. So is that is that the um, the spirit level transgender support group? Is that something that's online as well as being in a kind of physical location? Yes, yeah, so we have a social media presence. We've had a group on Facebook for over 10 years, a private members group, which I am now the admin of. But I've also recently appointed some moderators from the group because we've had someone who's been a long-term member of the group misbehave on several occasions and oh not be very pleasant. So I've had to appoint some moderators to kind of rein her in and moderate her behaviour, etc. Yeah. And also we've recently started making a website, but that needs a little bit of work done to it. It needs a bit of a tidy up, which LCR Pride are going to help us with. We've recently joined Twitter on Instagram. I got myself locked out of the Instagram account, unfortunately, because of some reason <laughs> it just got rid of me from it. And then I couldn't log back onto it because I forgot the password. Oh, God. I know. I, I, what I, a pain. I, and they have the two-factor authentication now, so it's quite difficult, isn't it? To... I tell you, having to remember all these passwords, it's a nightmare, isn't it? I mean, I've... I know it can be. I might as well just make a new Instagram because we only ended up having like a hundred and something followers, but it was mm. still good. like it was still a good number, um, considering how niche we are as a group. Like, I think these like local meetups and like outreach groups they're really important because, like, even like I, I'm based in Manchester and Bolton. And I worked in the LGBT Foundation, and there just doesn't enough of things like that. Because in big cities, you obviously get that kind of thing, but I think 
you know, for for uh, people that aren't so well connected or they feel a bit alone, it might be a first point of contact with people who are trans or non-binary or on the LGBTQ spectrum. So I think it's brilliant work what you're doing. And so can any, can anybody just come along and join in? Is it is it kind of it's open yeah. to all? Yes, it's open to all. Anyone can just come along and join in. Um, the numbers vary there. Like at the last meeting, um, because I only put the details on 24 hours before, we only had a handful of people show up. Yes. But that's the meeting with Dr. Harrop, we had 14 people come. So the whole table was full. So it just depends on various factors like the time of year and whether we have a guest speaker in, etc. or how many people turn up. But we do usually always have a solid base of people who come. I think it's good how I have been able to modernize and broaden the base of the group a lot more because when I was talking to the last chair of the group staff, she told me that when she was running it, um, she wouldn't have been able to have done what I had done as in opening the group up so much more and kind of um, modernising the group because she comes from that older generation of trans. Mm. Whilst I want to try and reach out more to younger people. So yeah. we're getting some leaflets made for us soon from LCL Pride Foundation because we recently got a grant from the National Lottery at the end of last year and that money oh. is towards um, making us leaflets, business cards, proper banners, and then I can put the leaflets around the different university commons areas and cafes to try and bring more younger people in and hear those perspectives yeah. and different opinions, because I think that would be really interesting and enlightening for us. And also, mm. I think it's good how I have opened the group up more to make it not so much of a clique and so much of an exclusive group, because although we do own the... Um, kind of cater to a small number of people naturally, um, 0.5% of the population or less. Mm. We are trying to broaden our base more and um, by having all these guest speakers in. Yes, the guest speakers have been predominantly cis, but that's just because cis people make up the majority of the population mm. and are more likely to be in those leadership position roles who mm. come in and speak to us who run these organisations. But we have broadened our base up a lot more to the wider LGBTQ plus community. So for example, a lot of the people we've had in, such as Dr. Adrian Harab, um, Chris Hubbard, um, Andy Herring, Matt Exley, they're all part of the gay community, and right. Rachel, Rachel Gaskell as well, they're all part of the G community. Are they, are they part of the people on Liverpool Pride? Yes, so um, Matthew Exley is at the Museum of Liverpool, Andy Herring is the CEO of LCR Pride, um, Dr Adrian Harrop, he runs Brownlow Health Group, um, he's a GP practice there, he doesn't run the whole group but he runs the kind of trans services at the group, mm -hmm. and then Rachel Gaskell is the um, social prescriber there, so they all have their own kind of different roles, and Chris Hubbard, he's now the um, the director of LCR Pride, and he's also runs a trans advisory group meeting at Merseyside Police, which I've been to before. And it's really good. It's a really good way for us as a trans community to put our views forward and be listened to and be heard seriously. Because yeah. we see things such as the hate crime um, statistics, and then mm -hmm. see like what's happening with hate crimes and how they have gone up um, towards our communities since the recent um, cultural backlash. Could you just talk about LCR Pride? Uh, Liverpool City Region Pride, and do they do they work with Liverpool TDOV? Is it, I mean I know it's you know it's it's TDOV coming up on the thirty first of March. So do you have any events kind of planned for for that weekend? Yeah. So 
um, LCR Pride have collaborated with Liverpool Tudor for quite a while. Um, it started when Imogen Christie, who was a wonderful trans lady who kind of um, kind of led um, the trans community forward and pushed our visibility a lot more within the city. She kind of collaborated with LCR Pride and National Museums Liverpool to push Liverpool TDAV. And that started in around 2017. Um, oh, it's been going a few years. Yeah, so it's been going for a few years, but she sadly passed away in 2021. Mm -hmm. She was a driving force behind trans activism in the city and Liverpool TDAV. But then they were looking for someone else to take her place. And at that time, I was just kind of finding my feet within the community because I um, first kind of met the CEO of LCR Pride at the Navajo Award ceremony in 2021, even though I started on the community panel there earlier that year after being inspired by being in one of THM, Trans Health Merseyside meetings, who meet every um, third Tuesday of the month at City yeah. House and that meeting was over Zoom because it was still during the pandemic and then I was I to start getting involved more in the community then to try and make a difference um, and then I just kind of put myself forward for leading and running Liverpool TDAF because somebody had to do it and then I thought well I think I could be the right person for this because I've studied various different subjects at college um, I've studied beauty therapy I know they're not all directly related um, <laughs> So have you, got, have you got any kind of uh, special events you're going to be doing for TDOV? Uh, yes, yeah. She's inviting me over. That's oh, you're nice. going. So what, what are you doing there, Frida? Well, I was going to... Actually, what I was going to do is bring some stuff from the um, LGBT Foundation, like right. do a workshop, maybe, just about talking... Because my, my whole thing is like coming out at work because I've been through that. So yeah, so are you, are you going to be doing some panels where you can... like? Yeah, that's, that was what I was thinking. We, we, we've discussed it a little bit, haven't we, Lily, about what we can do? But Yeah, we've discussed it. So there's going to be a big programme of events. Um, this is definitely the most dynamic um, um, kind of programme of events that TDAV has ever known within the United Kingdom um, and quite possibly the world as well, because we are having... And this programme of events, um, it starts on Thursday, the 30th of March. There's going to be a flag-raising event at the town council city hall mm -hmm. um, with councillors there to kind of raise the trans flag up um, oh, and to help to um, advocate for our community with the council and change lawmakers and policymakers decisions to I think it's going to be um, like uh, just to interrupt you there a bit because it's it's related it's just I think it's going to be a very you know a, a, it's very poignant year because of what happened earlier in the year with Brianna Jai and I and I think a lot of people came out in support then, and I saw what yeah. happened in Liverpool. They they were they were just hundreds of flowers and candles, and I saw some of your pictures, Lily. It was it just looked amazing, and I think I think that you know, GCs and turfs are like to say, oh, the tide is turning. Well, it is turning, and it's turning in our way, because mm -hmm. I think the general public, when they see the work you do, and when they see, when they like say, you know, and the, and the little bits of things that me and Vicky do, and like they think they 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 can see that uh, we are positive people. We're not like trying to take over anything. We're not trying to demand <laughs> rights. We're just people that want to live happy, kind of fulfilled life. You know what I mean? And that I think that that's what people see when they see us, or you know, when you're involved in these groups. You just want to help people who are in that community, and I think Definitely. that's really valuable. Because obviously, you were saying a little bit there about beauty 
and because like I, I remember going to like trans kind of group when I was younger there was there used to be a trans meetup but it was mainly about it was mainly for guys that were secretly dressing up behind closed doors it wasn't really like anything to do with being trans and I thought oh this isn't really for me and it was like I, and they used to share beauty tips and stuff like that which is fine you know but I think now I think we've kind of moved a bit further forward and people are thinking more community-based definitely because spirit you're level... talking about the uh, the older kind of trans community weren't you earlier that's what spirit level used to be like it used to just be a cross-dressing and um, meetup yeah. group yeah I, I kind of I had a conflict with a member of that group who's a bit older than me she's in her 60s um and not full-time because she's married and she wants i think she wants the group to go back to how it was before mm -hmm. when it was like a secret cross-dressing meetup group even though she gets involved in bits of yeah. Well, you see, this is the conflict I had, you see, because like, obviously, when I'm at the LGBT Foundation, there's a lot of really young people there, non-binary, it's a very sort of dynamic group, it's uh, intersectional, but it's like, I'm also involved in like a fetish scene, where people go, and I know it's kind of like a totally different thing altogether, but it is like a community, because the people that go to that space, it's a safe space for them to express whatever, whatever it is they need to express, they have their little community. And and both things are important, and and um, I think there's a there's always been that. It's like we have you heard of Sparkle? Yes, I went to Sparkle yeah. last year. Actually, I had a yeah. great time there. Well, me and Vicky went to Sparkle. We met that. Ginny Lemon, didn't we? We met Ginny Lemon. Yes. See, Sparkle has always been one of those things I'm conflicted about because on one hand, it's a great community event. It's kind of like a trans pride thing, but it's also a kind of like meet up for like. You know what you would say is well, like they, they did. It's funny you should say that because they did have in one of the local hotels that has a kind of a, a big bar in it. They, they had a, like a, for a first timers meetup place in yeah. there. I mean, they were giving free drinks, I think, as the, as the way to get people to come along. But yeah. um, a friend, me, myself and a friend went to it. We didn't know what to expect. And it was very much like, um, yeah, what you're, what you're describing with, you know, Kind of focused on cross dressers, mm. and and it was kind of, it. and it was kind of you know how to bring them to the event safely through this bar event, and then walking through the street together. So it was, yeah, it was, yeah, I don't know, it was it was interesting. I think, that's but it was, I there think wasn't much focus on like there. trans issues. It was kind of I more of a definitely. Yeah. So I felt a little bit out of place there because yeah. when I looked around me, it was all kind of like older cross dressers, and I kind of felt like I didn't really fit in that well there. Mm. I didn't well, really you have to be. Oh, sorry to stop. You just have to be careful though, because we're not. I would never shame anybody oh, that no, I'm like not. that. No. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I wasn't shaming anyone. No, no, I'm not saying you were, but we've got to be careful here that we don't sound like we're saying that's them and this is us and we are better than them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's easy to fall into that and go. Because you yeah. know, you see some of the state when you're on a night out. You're like, oh, look at the state of her. <laughs> no, I think I think you know both things are completely valid. It's just like you don't know what you're walking into. <laughs> you're saying, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> so like. In terms of like trans community groups, they are these kind of strange worlds that we find ourselves in. Mm. It's like uh, the, the trans dating scene is really weird because you're meeting guys that are just there to meet trans women or trans, you know, somewhere on that spectrum. So they're all like weird chaser guys, you know, so I'm sure you've encountered that, Lily. So so that, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes these meetups, they can be a bit intimidating for, for younger people yeah, I, I agree with that um, I actually do most of my dating and hook up through Grindr <laughs> yeah me too because um, I think with that being like more of a fetish and LGBTQ plus app and um, 
not like so heteronormative like apps like Tinder, which I was banned from. Granted, <laughs> for um, someone like myself, and I'm sure for a lot of other people within, within our community. But it's not really the best for dating. I think dating as a trans woman can be really difficult because... Well, yeah, because because at one level, you know, you know, guys are sort of attracted to you because you're trans. Mm-hmm. But then on another level, you think, well, that's not the... In-, you know what I mean? That... that if, it's hard to meet somebody who's unless you, unless you're just there for the hookup and it's just simple. Well, I've just learned to be there for the hookup because I used to want to have a boyfriend when I was younger. Um, because I would see like my friends in high school getting boyfriends. Um, yeah. but now that I'm a bit older and not so um influenced by peer pressure, I'm fine just to be there for the hookup at the time being. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No. What about you, Vicky? Yeah, well, I've kind of avoided the uh, the dating scene completely since I came out. Um, I've not, I've really kind of, I have like deliberately avoided it because I've been kind of focusing on myself. Yeah. I just not really had time to think about, you know, relationships and that kind of, that side of things. Well, I but think what we should do, me and, me and Lily and you I'm beginning to feel like it's time to, you know, put my toe back in. out in Manchester and, uh. You know, when we're not working and it's purely just for... Yeah, definitely. I went out, um, I went to Manchester for Pride as well last year and I had a great time at Pride. I loved watching the parade, but it was a lot different to the Liverpool Pride because Liverpool Pride is just kind of like a march. Um, mm. It's more grassroots and community-based. Yeah, it's more community-based. Manchester one is a lot more commercialised. Yeah, the main Pride is very commercialised, but the, the the thing we went to, the, the Sparkle event, that wasn't, I don't think that's quite as... No. commercialized and, it's, and like it's got all the events going on in the in the park there which was it was it was fun they had a stage there I had more lemon was there. It was good. <laughs> well the thing is with the with sparkle it's much more relaxed and i think it has a much more family kind of feel to it in, in yeah. a way yeah it was very relaxed it was, it was good. yeah there were people there you know with the children just running around and it's like it's just chilling like you know obviously um like with pride because it's got so big they have to kind of crowd manage it quite a lot for it to be safe and i think that's it's quite it's, sometimes things become a victim of their own success don't they so they get really popular and then suddenly they have to start putting security on and it can feel a bit oppressive well, you have to you have to pay to go into the in the in the march don't you i mean you can't just yeah you know, it's, it's way too i think um lily you know a friend of mine joss Pryor. Mm. oh yeah yeah, she's. Uh, yeah. Well, see, I'm not. I'm actually say she's a friend. I've not met her yet. She's a friend online, but every time I say I'll come to Liverpool, and I'm gonna I never get round to it. So, yeah. Yeah, I like this pair, but they don't really get involved much with the community here. Like they don't go to any of the groups. Um, and even though I know of them from Twitter and I've met them before in Lisbon. I just don't really see much of them because I think they're more online activism based, which is great. Um, but for me, I'm more about kind of being there in person. Yeah, for... me too. Yeah. yeah so that that you just mentioned the word activism. Um, Frida and I, you know, in our previous podcast, we've been talking about what kind of activism we do, and what you know, what's the kind of more effective type of activism. I mean, we I think we came to the conclusion that you know all activism is good, but mm. each of us should do what we're comfortable doing. We have you know, talked about like this whether kind it's of... something serious or something kind of really kind yeah. of easy to do, you know. Because I, I do DRM stuff, which is diversity role models, and that's just like online. You talk to, you know, um, teachers or or students, just about yourself, just a five minute kind of intro thing, and it's that's that's kind of a really low level kind of activism. But that, and then you can compare it to some kind of the stuff that goes on in the streets. I mean, where where do you kind of sit on that? kind of activism thing 
I would say I definitely fit somewhere in between that. Um, yeah. My kind of activism isn't so much um, going in the streets with a massive um, megaphone, marching. Um, That's, That's Frida. That's Frida does the megaphone stuff. Yeah. <laughs> My kind of activism is networking with people who can help us, such as LCL Pride, National Museums, Liverpool, um, with your universities, those kind of organisations, and sitting down with them and promoting our cause that way, because I think it's far more effective to work with people, cross-collaborating and being intersectional, rather than um, making people think you're some kind of screaming lunatic. <laughs> Well, I'm definitely the yeah, screaming that's Frida, lunatic yeah. variety. Oh. So Frida's about, you know, pink, blue and white bricks and stuff like that. So, yeah, I still respect that in some ways, though, because um, I know that's how Stonewall started. And if people didn't write this in that way, then well, that, I don't think it would be today. That was, that's, that was like a breaking point moment, wasn't it, I think? It and that, that, to me, it's not necessarily activism. It was just like people just couldn't take anymore. Yeah, but it was appropriate so at that time to do that, wasn't it? I mean, it, I think yeah, but I mean, I, I, your activism is based on what you're trying to achieve as well. Definitely. It's yeah. that, obviously, it depends on on the mood of the moment as well yeah some 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 i'm sure those people at stonewall didn't think right what we're going to do is this and we're going to do this at this time and then we're going to do that and then we're going to have a barbecue no they're not it was they just weren't a thinking riot. That, it just, just happened a, but the yeah. way i do i think creatively about protest and i think about because like you know when people look at the pictures afterwards and everything's a visual culture now it's about that visual impact you can have by doing something it might just be a simple gesture or it could be something extreme, but it's just it's whether that message carries through to the public or not. Because when the public see it on social media, that is kind of what that is where it comes from, isn't it? That's where people get their ideas. From. See, I love I love cabaret against the hate speech. I love what they do yeah. with the song and dance protests. Yeah, We've been doing a lot of that in Glasgow. That's I really enjoy. I definitely think that sometimes street activism is appropriate. Like last year, I think there was some street activism here in Liverpool over the um, GRA reforms. Mm -hmm. or, yeah, there was been, in Manchester too. It might have, I can't remember what, exactly what it was over, but it was over something. I think it might have been um, excluding trans people from the Alan conversion therapy. Yeah, yeah that, was it. that was it. was last year. And there were people who were marching on the street about that. And I think in times like that, yes, it is appropriate to kind of have that activism and to march because if you don't do that, then you're not putting your case forward as much because since then, um, the government have said that they are going to include trans people in the ban for conversion therapy. So sometimes you actually have to take those more radical measures to get somewhere. Yeah, so maybe that kind of protest that happened at the time helped to, you know, bring that about. Yeah, yeah perhaps. It's good to it's good to protest because you've got to protect that right by because if you don't use it you lose it kind mm -hmm. of thing so so there are good we have a government now that literally don't want they want to outlaw protests and noise in the street so that the protest against that is obviously create noise in the street you know it's like because yeah. like um i was looking like if you look at the way other countries do activism like the french you know they didn't they spray the uh, walls of their government with manure or something <laughs> That sounds no, like something they do, yeah. Not that I'm not suggesting you do that, Lily. You know, you no. <laughs> we, we've seen we've seen people spraying orange paint on fifty five Tuffin yeah. Street. We you know, things like that. Yeah. I mean it's that. effective in its own right, but I think you've got to pick and choose what you're doing, haven't you? So you know if you if if push comes to shove, Lily, you'll be in me a trans militia. <laughs> See Frida Frida wants to buy a tank and she wants to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I've, I've heard of the pop group, well, dance group, KLF. Um, I don't know. No, no, I'm not. Well, they used to stage these kind of things. And 
and I, and I love anything like that that um, it's like a really big visual impact but actually it's not it's not like it's it's all kind of orchestrated in a way it's not it's not happening by accident it's all like planned pre-planned when you think about Liverpool, it's always kind of been more of a radical city. Um, like it has different views. That's um, true. Than the rest of England, really, and it's always been a bit of an outlier. So, well, not I think that's true because the city is a bit more open and welcoming for trans people than other parts of England, which aren't at the moment. Well, Liverpool's always been more militant towards the uh, Westminster and mm. you know Fleet Street media because obviously they ban the sun. That you know, they, you don't see any sun. You still see the Daily Mail, but um, they're, they're very much... It's like Liverpool kind of exists in its own political uh, climate, but that's yeah. why it was kind of scary when we saw that, you know, the um, the Asylum Seekers Hotel, mm. when there was the protesters outside there, because you would never see that kind of thing in Liverpool in any other time, because, you know, I think Liverpool's always been more outward-looking, and, you know, people that I know in Liverpool tend to be all left-wing. <laughs> Yeah, that was scary. But then I think there's parts of the city outside of the city centre which are less diverse and can be a little bit less outward looking. Um, and then I think that some people, particularly who live in communities which they feel have been left behind, can feel that their problems, their day-to-day -day problems can be caused by, um, they've been led to believe by the newspapers that migrants are the causes of all their problems because the government wants to try and push this cultural narrative towards certain sections of the working class where they want to turn them against trans and um, migrants because they feel that that wide and bonker will work for them like it did in america but i don't think it's going to work the same here as it did in america and i think it's just going to lose them support yeah absolutely so there, there was yeah. something on your twitter um where you 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 put some pictures about street ads, open media, trans positive street ads. I thought yeah. that was I thought that was really interesting because it you know there was lots of pictures of, of really positive messages on giant posters on the in the streets. So is that is it, was that something you were involved with or just kind of on the fringes with? So I'm friends with the lady who is the chair of Homotopia, which was the driving force. Okay, Homotopia is it called? Yes, it's Homotopia, it's wasn't it? My um, what I'm doing with TDEV is actually helping is doing something quite similar because today um, I sent some funding from our group to LCR Pride Foundation because they're funding some billboards for us around the city to help to promote TDEV. Right as well as online marketing. But I do think that those billboards from Open Media were really important because, for example, at the end of January, I was going to Exeter to go and um, visit a guy there who I'd met on, on an online dating app. Um, <laughs> and then um, I was just sat at Lion Street Station having my lunch, um, waiting for my train. And then on the billboard opposite, Sky News flashed, popped up and said, um, transgender rapist sent to me for some or something like that as the main story and i was like oh my gosh i can't believe they've just called someone a transgender rapist like that is so offensive so then i literally got up and okay. i spoke to um the security guards about it and i said that's really offensive like i don't know how they can get away with that kind of language mm -hmm. and if we can't do anything about it you'll have to talk to the help desk so then i got up to the help desk and spoke to them about it um and they said we can't do anything about it because it's from an outside news agency and we have nothing to do with that which is fair enough because it was different stories that were popping up on that billboard it 
was just the initial shock for me to see that headline. And then um, there was a guy there and he said to me, um, oh, you're very pretty for transgender. <laughs> I was like, so the transgender child at a different standard to um, cis women then? That's not really very nice. But even though it was a, it was a compliment towards me, but it was a bit of a backhanded compliment. And then I got That's my... Weird, what, isn't it? Yeah, and I was shocked to find out the BBC had the same story on as well. well they... The BBC are not are, are complicit in all of this. You know, they know. I mean, oh. the BBC recently have been some of the worst, yeah. yeah. It's interesting what you were saying, though, about that, though, because, like, if I was to put a billboard up, like, put, like as an organisation that was de uh, pejorative to an, an, a group, that would be illegal. But if the news can, if a railway station can just flash whatever news it wants, you know, and, and word it any way it wants. So was the, you know, the billboard thing a reaction to that? Um, I think it was probably a reaction to that from Homotopia. I don't know for yeah. sure, but as far as I'm aware, it probably is. Um, mm. People would be unhappy about that. And the billboards for T-Dove are just to kind of raise awareness. So drivers passing by and people can see and attend the event um, but then sometimes I think that higher visibility can be a little bit of a double-edged sword because I find the current debate around um, trans people on Twitter to be quite toxic to be honest um, because I, I just think that it's so polarised between gender criticals um, and the t t trans rights activists that it's just really really polarised and it can be too negative and toxic well, yeah I think yeah it can be mm. Yeah, we got talking, didn't we? Because we were in these chat spaces together and they were so toxic. I mean, it's, I recorded some of those because I was uh, I just I just think feel like those Twitter should be held to account for the content it's providing, because you could argue or people are allowed to say what they want in a private conversation. But this is not a private conversation. Twitter are making money out of this conversation because, you know, users sign up and they provide content you're subscribing to you know the platform and then they're amplifying it so twitter need to know and be accountable for the things that are said because there are some yeah. people on twitter to me it's never been a matter of free speech it's a matter of who has the most power because some people have more followers than others like there are, there are accounts on there with millions of followers could start a twitter space and invite people to say abhorrent things on it no, I agree with that. Everyone's kind of got their own agendas. Because even though when I when I came out as transgender um, back in 2015, when I was in year 11 in school, um, I had some very ignorant comments made towards me. Like, I remember when I wanted to first start dressing as a girl, um, deputy head teacher called Karen, ironically, said to me, um, uh, people on the streets might say things to you. Um, parents might tell their kids to stop talking to you. Like, kind oh. of put me off from um, coming out as oh, you, were, you were really young when you came out. Yeah, I was 15 when I came out as myself, but she might have just been saying that to kind of um, look after my safeguarding because people yeah. must have said, unfortunately, yeah. said some things to me at that time, being in a small town and with it not being as visible then. So that's why I think visibility and representation is really important to help to change those kind of attitudes that were stuck in the past. But back in those yeah, days, absolutely. Um, 
when, when I would kind of get negativity and bullying and, and comments like that, there wasn't really any words for it. Like there wasn't the word gender critical or tough then. It was just seen as transphobic or homophobic. There was no really word for it then. I think the first yeah. time I started hearing about um, the gender critical and the TERFs was when J.K. Rowling started saying what she was saying in 2020. Um, and when that started to blow up. But before yeah. then, I didn't really know. Oh, and when Germaine Greer, um, back in 2015, when she said that trans women are not women, um, so it's, it's kind of when that started happening. But back in 2015, I don't really feel that um, the gender critical movement, I don't really like calling them that either because I don't think they're critical of gender. I think they're just critical of people who aren't biological essentialists. So I was going to say, you know, with the GC movement, it's it's got political legs now because yeah. it, it goes back, for me, it goes back to Brexit because the same people, the same lobby groups that don't want to make Brexit happen, are the people are the exactly the same people that are pushing this kind of trans uh gender critical thing they might i mean there are a lot of smaller accounts that will not know this is going on but people are just generally you know nasty anyways but but this just validates their opinions because there are powerful people willing to back them up and i don't know if jk rowling is part of that which is obviously part of the story but when, when these groups like sex matters lgbt foundation uh, sorry lgb alliance and um, who else is there? You know, they're a bit like Christian concern and all this. They're all coming from the same kind of place. And I think what's happened is they've seen that it can divide people. This is a way to get people arguing. And it, and it can, um, politicians can use that anger to sway votes. Because if you've got a fear, if you can say to people, if you vote this way, this is what's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to have trans women, um, you know, it's like this this invasion narrative, like trans women are suddenly going to be, you know, in places you don't want them to be. It's like, well, we're there anyway. So what do you mean the world? You don't want us to be in the world. Well, it's like they'll talk about prisons, they'll talk about single-sex spaces, they'll talk about sports. And the reason they use those arguments is because they can find instances where sex kind of does matter a little bit, you know, maybe. But you could obviously have that debate, but it's not a debate that most people, you know, most voters are going to have. It's a debate that becomes performative and weaponized. So that's mm. why that's why I think you're seeing more of it. It's because well, and we don't forget we're coming up to an election year. So yeah, you know, it, no. it's being used as a you know political football wedge issue. You know, so it's yeah, yeah. like even when I was in Manchester, while Sparkle was on. Um, like the news at the time was all about the Conservatives' leadership contest at the time, and I felt like all of the candidates were trying to outdo each other on who could be the most transphobic. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah. Well, I mean, just wait until the the election comes because they've already they've already stated that they're going to do that again. Well, when you yeah, when you looked yeah. at the ramping up of yeah, you know the GRC vote in Scotland, the GR GRR reform, um, the the whole momentum for that was based on J.K. Rowling's influence in the media really and well it was a she she timed the opening of that um refuge hadn't she to kind yeah. of coincide with that perfectly yeah to get the attention yeah and, uh, and i don't i really don't believe that she opened that refuge at all out of the kindness of her heart it was definitely used to stoke the first further division yeah. and, well we've not heard anything about it really i mean we we've since. heard nothing since and nothing before yeah. and it was just perfectly timed around that you know mm gender recognition reform stuff i mean i don't want to get too into the details of that because that's that's the kind of thing we go on about all the yeah, time we don't want to become a 
conspiracy theorists. I think it's a little bit of um, a shame how the decent kind of One Nation conservatives like Theresa May, Theresa May, who um, started the Gender Recognition Act reforms back in 2017. Um, have been pushed out of the party that's been taken over by the ERG reform extremists like Salawa Braverman, Kerry Badenoch, um, Mm. all those terrible people who really don't like our community at all, to put it politely and to put it lightly. So it feels like that's happened. You're completely right, Frida, that the extremist wing has taken over the Conservative Party. And they're also um, scapegoating us more because they can see that Brexit has failed um, and that... Mm are struggling more at the moment due to the cost of living crisis so they're looking to blame other people yeah, well, trying to deflect the attention onto us aren't they definitely yeah yeah there's definitely an element of that but these people they're power hungry and they can see a way to get power it's like you know it becomes like a point scoring exercise it's like it doesn't really matter to them whether they're going to be able to send people to rwanda or not it doesn't matter if they can stop people coming over on boats what matters is the optics what matters is the photo opportunity what matters is saying the right thing or what they think is the right thing on laura coonsberg on a sunday morning that's that's it that's all it is it's like government by lobby group so like when i come along and i i've been on telly and i've tried to get in the way of those conversations it's really easy to do because they, they, they're really not, they don't really care about the thing they say they care about. So if you if you bring that to the table and say, look, this is the actual facts. Did you know that? Did you know this? And they don't, they just don't care about any of the facts. Yeah, they get some sound bites. Yeah, they, and they'll allow, they'll allow, I mean, Rishi Sunak, I mean, I don't, I don't know if, whenever I see him on the telly, he looks like he's sort of connected by USB to the, some sort of government <laughs> computer that just generates words i'm sorry i swear he's a robot yeah yeah we see this is why you should be prime minister lily (laughs) i don't know what what political party you would stand for but well i'm actually i actually quite like the liberal democrats at the moment because i got an email from them um the other day basically from ed davey talking about how his father used to be part of their party and how their power of strong communities and social safety nets helped them and how and divisive this current government is and then I was watching some of his speech earlier today and I felt really inspired by what he was saying because he was calling for an end to this cultural narrative that we have at the moment we need to end it yeah about um doing politics differently like bringing in proportional representation Mm -hmm. so rather than um a few kind of red wall seats and um, a few marginal seats where they think the voters are all bigots, having all of the rules. It should be um, everyone who kind of has that proportional representation, how everyone has all of the um, the same voting power as everyone else. And I just liked what he was saying about doing politics differently and giving power to the hands of people and communities. Mm. So I think um, I don't think either the Conservatives or Labour really have the ideas for radical change at the moment, because even though I do think that anything would be better than what we have at the moment. Um, I mean, I, I it's, not, it's hard yeah, to but see. The, I, see, the danger is, though, with these smaller parties, they don't really have a chance of winning. So mm-hmm. if you if you kind of vote for them and not mm-hmm. Labour, you know, the, the result of that might be the Tories stay in. So... Mm-hmm. We kind of have to it's vote. Just a, it's just a vote all, It's all broken, isn't it? The whole system. We've got to broken. get the Tories out. That's the priority. Yeah. But it's going to. 
being tactical, really, because tactical voting is what we yeah, need. Yeah, that, that's very true. Because I don't really want to see either um, my vote going into being confidence for Keir Starmer because I don't think that he has the interests of the trans community. And I think um, no, but I think I'd rather have Labour in if it meant either that or Tories. Yeah, same. You know, yeah, but and then maybe later on we can bring in some of the other parties. Yeah. I think what the, yeah. the problem is for, for us and for other minority groups and for other people on the fringes, we don't feel like there's an alternative party. For There's no opposition. The opposition often sounds like the people that are in power. This is true. So, so what happens is it takes somebody like Mick Lynch to say the things that the, the Labour Party should be saying. Mm-hmm. It takes somebody like Billy Bragg to say the things that should be being said to the turfs. It takes somebody like Gary Lineker to say the things that should be being said to Suella Braverman because there's nobody there on that opposite bench doing it. And that's what that's that's yeah. the problem. Anyway, I've gone to I got onto a political rant now. Right I didn't want to do that. Hole, this we? is Lily's this is Lily's floor. So yeah, so Lily, just... let's let's get back onto your 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 stuff. I mean, you know, the conversation we just had really kind of ties into what we were saying earlier about activism. And how we need to do more of it and effective activism and all that stuff. Yeah. So was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so for TDUF next weekend, we've got everything's going on. So um, on that Thursday, we also have got the opening night party at Love Locks Coffee Shop, where there'll be music and poetry performances. Oh, I'll from- do some of that for you from the contenders of the UK's first trans writing competition, Prose Purple. All right. That's Poet Level have been running. So that will be really good. I'm looking forward to that. So if anybody wants to find you, all these, um, everything's on Twitter, isn't it? Everything's on Twitter, at Spirit Level Tram, or at Lily Rose Hunt, or you can go on Facebook and search for Spirit Level Transgender Support Group, and we've got a website as well. So it's all online for people to find. And then on the um, the Friday, actually, the 31st of T-Dove Day, I'm going to be doing some training with the City of Liverpool College about kind of um, staff awareness around trans issues because I've been working closely with the Head of Student Experience there, Andy Hargreaves, who is mm. a really lovely person who wants to help to push wider acceptance for trans people within the City of Liverpool College. That's um, great. When I met up with him for a coffee the other week, he mentioned something really interesting about how a lot of the anti-trans backlash at the moment is similar or the same as what gay people had 10 or 20 years ago. And I remember that myself because I came out as a gay boy 10 years ago before I came out as transgender, Um, maybe because it was a little bit easier for me at the time to express my true identity by being an effeminate gay boy than to come out as the opposite gender. So that was a little bit easier for me at the time. But that's why I think it's really good that organisations like the City of Liverpool College have that commitment to be on the right side of history mm. and, and make an inf- intervention to change things for the better. So I, I do agree with that, and I think that's going to be great. And he made a video of me just introducing myself, giving my pronouns, and I used to go to that college actually to do beauty therapy. So oh, right. for some of the staff who know me and remember me from when I went there to see me. But I think it's a bit of a shame, to be honest, how I have been caught up in both the storms for the fight for gay liberation and now the fight for trans liberation. But to look on it on the brighter side, um, I feel it's I'm in quite a privileged position to have been part of both, really, because I've got to have seen gay marriage legalised and I've got to have saw... Um, like the word gay not be used as an insult as much and mm-hmm. see um, gay people be more assimilated into widestream, mainstream society. Mm-hmm. 
whether that can be a good thing or a bad thing. That that's another debate to have. But I kind mm. of think that I'm going to see the same thing happen for trans people in the next ten years yeah. or so. And we're all going to see that. We're all going to watch that together. And I think that's probably why some of these hardline tasks like Percy Parker are starting to get really desperate at the moment because they know that they're losing the debate. Like I saw her live stream last night mm-hmm. when she was in Tasmania and she was getting booed, booed by everyone. Yeah. Even the police were not on her side and literally no one was on her side at all. Well, she's agitated, isn't she? And and the problem with her is, well, the problem I have with focusing on her is... I mean, yes, she she is extreme, but she she's playing a game, and and unfortunately, the game is up. I think because when you are that, when you have to be, when you try and be that person who is the, you know, the poster person, but you you have to be more extreme every time, and you have to keep doubling down. And there's always so many times you can do that, but there are people who are not as well known as Kelly J. Keene who have the same views, even worse, and they're probably working in this government <laughs> that we have. <laughs> You know, but but th- she's not working alone. Is somebody's putting her in the media? Because, like, when I've appeared on talk TV and things like that, I know that they have a booking agent. They have they have somebody that is is pushing her to be on, and it's the lobby groups that we talked about earlier. So I think that's why it's really important what you're doing, Lily, because you spoke before about you, your activism is about you know the community, and it's okay being on Twitter and mouthing off and. You know that's one way of doing activism, I suppose. If you if you're sharing information, you're sharing the correct information. If you're correcting journalists, you're showing where people are wrong. That's really good. Yes. But I think we also have to have that community thing as well, because without that, there's really nothing. Because I mean, it might sometimes it might feel like, oh, it's, is it worth the effort? You know, are we getting anywhere? But I think mm. it, we are. It's just we are, uh, but it's, it's hard work and it's it's takes a lot of effort doesn't it i mean i love what i love what you're doing in liverpool really i mean those those organizations that you're involved with it all sounds really good yeah because if it wasn't for me um liverpool t-dub would not have our largest ever program of events um it's due to my interpersonal skills and networking skills have been able to talk to the people who have the influence and the people who do matter to kind of push our community's agenda to the top and make us the focal point um and i'm not just in it for myself and my own ego i'm in it for <laughs> all communities and i think yeah, that's of course. Yeah. that we kind of have that pushback against the more prominent gc movement um yeah. Definitely. And it's about going in the right way because I could put myself forward to talk on um, talk TV, TV news, etc. But I don't think there'd be any point in me doing that because it would obviously be weighted and stacked against me. So I'd rather think about it, my activism in a better way by talking to the people who I'm not preaching the converted, you know, the people who would never change their mind to be accepting towards our community. I'd rather talk to the people um, who are already on our side, obviously, because they're more likely to to push these events forward, but then also get through to the people who maybe have not yet decided which way they align with, whether they align with the BC. It's about changing the public mood to be more on our side. I think that's really important. No, it shouldn't have to be that way because I feel like that's like saying that um, we need to change the public mood to be more in favour of gay people or black people. But unfortunately, the reality is that's the position we're in at the moment. Well, it's like when I've been yeah. in on those TV things, I know that it's a bit of an echo chamber, that, that world, you know, because I know the kind of people that watch GB News and watch Talk TV. They have all sorts of abhorrent views. You only have to look at the comment sections to know that. But if I, I like getting in the way of that conversation, you see, because to me, that's interesting, you know, 
and it's like something that that's like my little bit of protest and activism but you see if i if i was to go on to a program where they agreed with me and everything i said was applauded i don't think that, you, know, you know that wouldn't be valuable either you know so you've got to have a, some sort of a medium between those i think two. you've got to have uh, i think i think we've come to the conclusion that you've got to have all these things you know and it's up to kind of the individuals to do what they're comfortable with you know i don't think i don't think i would go on tv either because i, I would I, I just i just wouldn't like the uh you know, to deal with the, the, you know, the the backlash afterwards. I mean, the, some of the stuff that Frida gets after she's been on those shows is horrendous. You know, I'm, and I really appreciate the kind of activism you're doing. You know, it's it's kind of more in line with what I do. Um, but but having said that, you know, I wouldn't I would never say to Frida, don't do that because I think it's really important that you know she's on there as the only trans voice sometimes. You know, against I know I know it's in a hostile environment and. Probably everybody watching way, and the people on the show are probably against her, but it, yeah. you know, it's it is a real kind of form of protest <laughs> in a way because you're standing in the yeah. way of it, you know. Also, it's quite easy to get on those kind of shows. It's, quite, <laughs> it's harder to get on to, you know, a more uh, liberal, a more more um, what would you say, more mainstream shows. But if mm. I do those fringe things, maybe I can get suddenly some get a bit closer yeah. to the media circle. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, I do admire what you do with in trying to break up the conversation within these toxic echo chambers, um, because I think it's important to have that trans voice and representation. Um, and I might be interested in doing that in the future. I think just yeah. at the moment, um, I might be a little too young to do that because um, I'm more focused on other things like my university course and yeah. my social life. And... You're definitely very busy. Yeah, it's just because I'm I'm too busy for those people. <laughs> you were super busy, and weren't, weren't you down at some horse race recently? Oh uh, yes, I was going to go to Cheltenham, um, but I didn't end up going. Oh, you didn't go in the end. <laughs> I didn't go in the end, but I think I'm either going to go. Um, well, probably not next year because I'm planning on going to San Jose in California. And oh, very nice. At the study a year abroad there. Well, when you, when you told me you were going to Cheltenham, I thought is she going to throw herself under a horse in the in the name of trans rights with a. <laughs> A suffragette scarf on or something. Don't well, give It would actually be quite radical if I went to Cheltenham, though, as um, a transgender woman, because I think Cheltenham is traditionally associated with not being very diverse, because I'm from <laughs> uh, near the area where Cheltenham is, and it's mostly like straight white middle class people. So yeah. I think you could go and disrupt them, couldn't you? Just to go there, I think it would be quite radical, but I don't think it would be a bad thing, because I think it would just help like people to start talking and learning more because obviously people would come up to me and talk to me. I, know. I, I meet people. Yeah, I mean, it's good, to, it's good to see a trans person in those places, you know. Definitely. You, know, you definitely disrupt what's going on, you know. Yeah, so that's definitely on my bucket list for the future. Mm. But I've got bigger things in mind first, going to America. Um, so what are you going to do in America? And what's the America trip for? Well, I'm going because I'm studying a year, a year abroad in San Jose of my sociology degree, which okay. I'm really looking forward to. Um and then I'm going to be doing that from September this year till May next year. And then during the summer of 2024, I want to fly around different states, um, probably fly around, most, visit mostly the more liberal states, like on the West Coast. And the yeah, East. West Coast and East Coast, but not in the middle. Yeah. yeah, Don't go to Alabama. Don't go in the middle bit. That's the thing. We, we did a show recently about where we should go. You know, we've talked about places we should go, but... Um... Yeah, we're going to do that. But I, I was just we looked at a map, didn't we, that showed you that the there is there is a map that's just been released, an updated one that shows like all the West Coast is really safe, 
and most of the east coast is safe but like the re the bit in the middle is just like do not go don't don't enter that zone if if you can avoid it well you still probably just be flying over those people yeah just fly over those places <laughs> you'd be all right though you get a few cowboys chasing you i know well actually i think the men might be more interested in me there because i, I don't, <laughs> you're um, gonna love that accent that I'm you. More, um transport the higher in the more anti-trans states <laughs> i know hey lady <laughs> uh, it's like how when I go to Birmingham, um, I end up meeting a lot more like Pakistani Muslim men, and even though in their religion traditionally in the Muslim religion it's frowned upon to um take part in what they would see as being a homosexual act, or even like any kind of any anything that um that goes out of religious gender and binary norms is frowned upon. Um, and sometimes people from those cultures like protest schools for um having LGBT education, but yeah. I'm so popular with the Muslim men there. Like, <laughs> well, that's typical of any any kind of religious front. You know, you get that in the Catholic. You know, the Catholic protesters outside, well, Christians outside abortion clinics, don't you? But they're all, you know, they're all up to all kinds of nefarious activities behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, so religion is another one of our hot topics that we we talk about quite a lot on the podcast. You know, it's yeah, normally because Jesus the Pope said whatever. something um, yeah. unpleasant, yeah. and you know, we have a go at them. Liverpool's a very traditionally Catholic city, um, and I can find it a bit funny sometimes, like when I'll meet a Scouse guy who sees himself as being a bit of a rough and ready scally who like wears a track suit, like has like a hard accent and thinks he's all, all everything. And then when he comes to see me, he will be really vulnerable and nervous because he's like, I've never done this before, I'm so nervous. That's like, typical, I yeah. I can control them. That's very typical of men, you know. It's Catholic guilt a lot of it as well, because in... And some of the culture here, like in the Scully culture, they can look down on boys or men who they seem to be effeminate or gay. So for them, it's just they're putting a front on. Um, but I just wish that guys, um, heterosexual men, did not have to feel the need to put on that kind of mask um, during the daytime um, and can just be them true, their true selves without having to push heteronormative norms all the time. Mm. What's interesting, though, is the kind of guys that are aggressive and anti-trans on Twitter they look to me a lot like the kind of guys that come on to me on Grinder, and I'm pretty sure it's exactly the yeah, same people. Oh my god, exactly the same here. Like when I talk to the guys, sometimes I talk to guys on Grinder about like what's happening around trans people at the moment, and they're always really nice about it to my face. Like, oh, that should not be happening. That's terrible. But then I think, <laughs> why are they so nice about it behind my face? But then there's these same type of guys saying terrible things about it's it. Because I feel guilty. I know, exactly. Not that Catholic guilt. I also, I also think that sometimes it can be in some of these men's best interests to dehumanise us because they more that they dehumanise. Oh, well, it become, it comes down to basic misogyny, oh, doesn't yeah. it? Because they, 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 if, they, if they're on hookup sites, they probably think about cis women the same way. They probably mm -hmm. call them sluts and they probably call them more kind of pejorative sexist names, but... In front of them, they wouldn't say that, you know. Well, maybe they would, you know. I think we should do a we should do a podcast on dating and and yeah. these sites, shouldn't we? Get, get get into the topic a bit more. But some people might find me dating profile and I'd be a bit, a bit embarrassed about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lily, it's been lovely talking to you. So I just just before we finish, is there anything we've missed out that you wanted to say? If you wanted to say to anyone, there's no, 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 a big chance. I'm actually, I've been talking to quite a few gentlemen um, mm -hmm. who I've been talking to for a while and I meet up with them regularly and they actually treat me to the finer things in life to help to fund my life as a Liverpool socialite. <laughs>
There you go. We see that's the way you do it, Vicky. Yeah, so can, can you just explain that to me a bit more, Lily? How does that work? So basically, I meet them through an app online, um, and then I discuss with them like what's involved, and then they'll um, like give me a gift that I want um, mm. in any kind of form. They give me some kind of reward, and um, it's really rewarding for me actually because the more that they give me these rewards and gifts, the more that I want to meet them and then meet more of them. Well, <laughs> you've got to be careful with that, Lily. Don't put yourself in any. Uh... Yeah, I mean, you don't put yourself in any danger, obviously. But no, I'm very careful because yeah. although sometimes I can meet a few dodgy guys, I get, I'm very careful about it, and I'm, I'm I'm very into being safe and like making sure I get. Oh pictures. yeah, I'm sure you are. Get all of that information. Don't let anybody have any power over you by giving you presents. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been in that situation where people are so, oh yeah, I'll do this, I'll do that, and then you feel guilty about it, and I thought, oh, sod you. <laughs> Well, it's been lovely talking to you both. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice to have you have you come on. Um, and it was lovely yeah. to hear about the projects you're working on. And it's I want you to work. know that it's very much appreciated. And I think it's great what you're doing. And yeah, I think you're just going to go strength to strength. Yeah, and good luck with the uh, TDOR. I think that's going to be a great event. I think I think Frida's coming over to do something. Yeah. I'm not sure what. But... Yeah, I'm going to come over. To it. I think it's the best year for it, really, because it's the same year that Eurovision's on, and I'm hoping to get someone from the city council coming. Yeah, so when, when is Eurovision? When's that starting? Oh, Eurovision's in May. Um, I'm really looking forward to it, though, because I think the atmosphere here will be fantastic. So, so is there some, something you can do around that in terms of events? Well, the only thing I'm worried about is just noise, because I live right in the centre of the city. <laughs> a eurovision karaoke night where you, you go karaoke song of every winner from the last how many years well yeah, i want to get like a ticket but i didn't even get a chance to get one because they sold out so quickly so they were so expensive as well book a booth yeah. with me and um, some of my friends um and we'll probably just go to like a gay bar somewhere in the city because i don't really like concert square the mainstream place to go out i like to go to the gay area of the city when i go out because it's just a lot more inclusive and i generally vibe better with like the gay man and it's, it's, it hasn't got like the same kind of feel about it as what concert square can have where you feel like you're in competition with other women and when the street <laughs> uh, see you and they just want to like well, kind of you I love Liverpool. I love Matthew Street, and I, whenever I whenever I go to Liverpool, I'm a total tourist. Well, actually, I'm going to be in Liverpool in July because I've been invited to a hen night. So that's going to be my first night out in Liverpool. I, I feel like a permanent tourist here, even though I've lived here since 2016. So I'm definitely going to be speaking to you about um, T Dove and anything you want me to do help you with that. And yeah, so thank you, Lily. You're I'll let you get on with being a socialite and being beautiful <laughs> and whatever it is you do in an evening <laughs> oh thank you it's been a pleasure talking to you all right bye for yeah. now so i shall sign us off there please subscribe please like please come oh, yeah, back and watch subscribe. again we, and the end at the end of the, sh the end of the show we always do the little song so do you want to join in right so you go i'll count in we just go don't forget to subscribe vicky so, can never do so it so lily you can you can join in if you want so, yeah, one two three don't, Don't forget, forget to, to subscribe. subscribe. <laughs> Never works. Never that's works, the no. beauty of it. Sounds terrible. Look, that's why if we, we ever get it right. That's when we, we stop doing the podcast. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I try. I've got to try. Okay, so, bye bye, everybody. Thank you. Mwah. Mwah.